What's up, everyone, and welcome to Making the Shift. We're an SLP couple from California with three boys and a passion for finding better ways to support autistic kids. I'm Chris. You might know me as Speech Dude. I'm a neurodivergent high school SLP and the creator of the dynamic assessment of social-emotional learning, and I specialize in crafting neurodiversity-affirming IEPs through my online course. And I'm Jesse, a sensory integration trained SLP, owner of a top rated clinic in Los Angeles, and the creator of the Inside Out Sensory Communication Programs for Parents and Therapists. Join us weekly to learn neurodiversity affirming ways to support social emotional development and regulation in autistic kids. Are you ready to make the shift? Let's do it. Dysregulation. So, what does it mean exactly? So let's talk about what dysregulation looks like. And the thing is that it can vary so much. Not all two kids are the same. Not even one child may look the same all the time. So there are a lot of things we want to think about. And I think that these are just kind of a few buckets I've broken it down into to help you kind of get an idea of what dysregulation might look like, different things to think about. And our first is thinking about their body. What are they doing with their body? What is going on with their body? And I think it's really common that people think dysregulation looks a certain way. Like they think um, a child who is always on the move, go, 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 is dysregulated, which that is a form. And they may think of dysregulation and think of a child like tantruming or something on the floor, another form, of course. But there are also other forms and other ways that your child might show that they're dysregulated. So first of all, having a very high level of energy to the point where it's too distracting for them. They're constantly on the move, constantly seeking that sensory input. And that is a state of dysregulation because when we have too much energy, we are not going to be in the place where our body is calm and, and regulated and engaged and attentive, okay? But we can also see the opposite where we see kids who have a much lower level of energy. That kid who just seems like really chill, kind of, you know, more passive, wandering around. A child with low energy doesn't necessarily just like sit down in one place all day. They might still move around, but it's just going to be like slower or more wandering kind of movement. And it's kind of like the the kid you meet where you're just like, you're just like, hi, are you listening right here? Hello. Right. And sometimes you might do that to like your significant other in the morning. Like they just wake up and they're kind of in that groggy state where they haven't fully gotten to the state of alertness yet. You can't talk to them about your plans for the day or anything like that. So you think about like your partner, you're waiting for them to get to that point. And for your child, it's almost like they're kind of in limbo where they're awake, but they're not like fully regulated. They're not fully alert yet, not fully engaged. Something else you might think about when you think about a dysregulated child is their stress responses, right? So you guys are probably familiar with our stress responses, which are fight, flight, freeze. And those are all states of dysregulation as well. 
So when we think about fight, we think about kids who are trying to like, whether it's like push us away, they want to get away from us. So they're going to push us away. We might um, get bit, they might pinch us, they might, right? What happens when our kids like can't fight anymore, (laughs) right? That next step might be flight. It might try to be get away from here. And sometimes that's kids' first response to stress because they might realize I'm the little person here. I can't fight all these people, but I could try to get away. Okay, so trying to flee, trying to get away is definitely a stress response we see in kids who are dysregulated. And another one is freeze, which is essentially them just shutting down. We know that these behaviors, you know, I hate to use the word behaviors because I feel like people often assume that I mean intentional behaviors when I just mean the things we're seeing our kids do, right? And a lot of these things we're seeing our kids do is a result of that stress response that they have, which is not something that they're intentionally controlling or manipulating. Okay. Not saying your kid doesn't have the potential to um, consciously make these decisions, but um, these are a lot of things that we just don't want to assume unless we know. Okay. So let's talk about how a child's communication might change when they're dysregulated. So it's really common that when kids or people are dysregulated, that they almost either completely stop talking or talk a lot less. We kind of shut down to the point where we we aren't even accessing our language. Like don't use their words that they have or don't communicate in a way that they can or they communicate less. But you also might see the opposite. You might see more verbalization. So if you have a child who is a Gestalt language processor, this is the child who really learns language in chunks and phrases and scripts. So if you have a child who is a Gestalt processor, you might see that when they're dysregulated, they go into scripting. So they might say something really repetitively. They might script out the whole episode of a TV show that they know. Um, They might just be like speaking so quickly, like jargon that you can't really understand. So you might see an increase in them actually being verbal when they're dysregulated. Okay, so we can definitely see a lot of changes in language. We might see um, other things like we might see them go from having verbal speech and using verbal speech to then using a lot of gestures or just using their body movements to communicate. Okay. So we might see them not necessarily using like the highest level language they have. They might be using other forms of communication. They might, you know, go back to relying on certain scripts that they use. They might stop talking completely. So something else to think about when your child's dysregulated is their emotions. And I could like go on for days about this, but, you know, we really want to think about how are they showing their emotions? And this is something like, this is like a hill I will die on that, you know, we want to make sure kids know that it's okay to feel all kinds of emotions. And there's no such thing as, you know, a bad emotion or a good emotion. And today, 
you know, we're talking about dysregulation versus regulation. And we don't want to have the expectation set that we want our kids to be regulated all the time because that's not how life is. None of us are regulated all the time. We all go through moments of dysregulation. We probably all go through moments of dysregulation every day at some point, whether that is like trouble waking up in the morning, whether that is something stressful happening to us at work or something stressful happening to us with our kids. We all have moments and we want our kids to know that's okay. But really thinking about like when my kid is dysregulated, are there certain emotions that I'm seeing more from them? And, you know, some kids you'll see more frustration, others, anger, others, sadness, others, you might really have trouble even identifying because they're just the type of child who tends to shut down and they're not really showing their emotions. And we want to, you know, one of our most important goals is creating a safe space for our kids. We need our kids to know that this is a safe space where they can show us their emotions. So I just wanted to make that clear, really emphasize that, that although we are talking about how can we get kids regulated more often and how can we bring them into that optimal learning zone, we always want to think about it's okay that, you know, the expectation isn't that they're going to be regulated all the time. That wouldn't be a normal thing for anyone that if your child was seeming to be regulated all the time, they're probably hiding some kind of emotion or learn to hide some kind of way that they're feeling, right? It's not healthy for us to hold those things back. So while we're talking about how we can get our kids regulated, still knowing how important it is to have that safe space for them so that they can feel that it's okay to express the way that they're feeling. Okay, so quick recap. When we are looking at dysregulation, we can think about what is the child doing with their body? What do we see? We can think about how is this affecting their communication? And we can look at their emotions and see how it's affecting their emotions. So those are just a few things we can think about when we are looking at what a child looks like when they're dysregulated. So thank you so much for being here with me and we will catch you next time. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe, write a review, or share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.